Come on in, sit back and relax. You're listening to episode 213 of the Wealth Tech Today podcast. And I'm your host, Craig Eskowitz, founder of Ezra Group Consulting. And this podcast features interviews, news, and analysis all around the trends and best practices of wealth management technology. My guest for this episode is Rob Rickey, Chief Growth Officer at Straight Line Group, which is an RIA with over a billion dollars in AUM that's based in Troy, Michigan. Now, Rob has over 25 years of experience in the retirement industry, most recently as head of advisor services at TIAA, where he played a pivotal role in bringing independent fiduciary advice solutions to individuals whose employer-sponsored retirement plans were at TIAA. Uh, we get into a lot of uh, detail in this conversation, though it was very interesting um, about how uh, Straight Line had lured uh, Rob away from TIAA. And, uh, and brought him on board to to manage their uh, retirement business. Uh, it's an interesting trend. We haven't uh, talked a lot about retirement on this program. I know we had um, we have had um, Aaron Shum, the founder and CEO of Vestwell, on a number of times. Uh, but I thought uh, getting more into retirement, we're seeing more RIAs uh, get into retirement plans and launch um, uh, retirement plans uh, supporting them. So I thought it'd be interesting also that since Rob had built a lot of the tech over at TIAA uh, to support their independent advisor channel, I, uh, getting this conversation uh, seemed really interesting to me. So uh, before we begin, let's talk about advisor tech stacks. So here at Ezra Group, we've seen the tech stacks of hundreds, literally hundreds of RIAs. And I have to tell you, most of them are loaded down with tech debt. So don't feel so bad about yours. But let's face it, tech debt is like a giant anchor holding back your business growth. So if you want to free your firm and release it to gain exponential growth, you should run, not walk, to our website, ezragroup.com, and fill out the Contact Us form on the homepage. Our experienced team can evaluate your current tech ecosystem, deliver targeted recommendations, optimize your existing systems and operations, even run an RFP and help you implement new software to take your firm to the next level. So please take advantage of our free consultation offer by going to ezragroup.com. All right, a couple of housekeeping items. Please subscribe to the program wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. Also check out uh, the Invest in Others charitable foundation and you can find out more about them at investinothers.org now let's kick this thing off here we go our next guest let me introduce rob rookie chief growth officer at straight line group hey rob how you doing man good man good morning craig how are you super fantastical here in new jersey it's all cold folly again we had a great summary week last week in the 70s and 80s and now we're back to the 40s which is normal for new jersey well i'm a, i'm actually on long island just yeah. so you know so um, i hope you got out on saturday and enjoyed that 80 degree day that we had as a matter of fact i did yeah so, uh, i was in the city on saturday and uh, awesome hanging around there so we really enjoyed uh just sitting on walking down the street and just uh you know feeling the sun on my face for the last time for a while yes <laughs> All right, so um, let's jump in. Can you give us a, a thirty-second overview of, uh, of of your firm, Straight Line Group? 
Yeah, um, straight line is uh, you know an independent RIA. Uh, we manage about just over a billion dollars. Uh, the firm really has its roots in working with participants within retirement plans. Um, so while we have a traditional investment advisory business, we also have a focus on managing assets in what traditionally would have been called held away, held away um, individual retirement accounts in employee-sponsored retirement plans. So that that's the uh, really the history of the firm and and the roots of the firm. Yeah, and we're seeing more and more of our RIA clients expanding into the retirement planning market. Uh, but you have spent your career at some very large asset managers. What drove your decision to join Straight Line Group? Yeah, I think, you know, it was an interesting decision and in, in a development over the last year or so. I spent, you know, 25 years at TIA. I've been in financial services for 30 years the crux of my career at TIA was really building TIA's independent advisor channel, which gave people, gave independent advisors the ability to work with participants in retirement plans. Quite honestly, it was way ahead of its time, right? It was really 1999, 2000. So, you know, my whole thrust was, saw the trend around independent advice, um, was very entrepreneurial in terms of what I wanted to do and really wanted to help people get advice by getting access to those independent advisors and the fiduciary model. Fast forward 22, 23 years, I leave TIA last summer. I start doing some consulting work. Straight Line was a firm I had partnered with while I was at TIA, so I knew them very well, had helped them um, start growing their business in the higher ed space. And, you know, saw the opportunity to really um, join them and get on the other side of the table basically take what I was doing at TIA and opening plans to access the independent advice and do that now from the RIA side of the table. So a little bit more entrepreneurial for me being in a smaller firm. Um, I was at the place in my career where I wanted to do something like that. And it's just an exciting time. Congratulations on the move. Right, Thank I'm you for you as well. So you're as chief growth officer of an RIA, what's some of your highest priorities? You know, the first thing for us is setting straight line up for growth, right? So that means we, we're taking a look at all of our services, uh, the technology we're using, um, the, our fee structure, um, our staffing, all of those things to get to the position where we can start to really reinvest and rethink or modernize um, our strategy to grow going into 2024 and beyond. All that makes perfect sense, considering you are the chief growth officer. Uh, you should be focusing on growth. Yep. The, um, recently, a survey in 401k specialist magazine, uh, only 67% of higher ed, or, higher ed organizations retain the services of a plant advisor or consultant. It seems low to me. What's What are the other 33% doing? They're just winging it? Yeah, it's funny. It's funny. You know, uh, it seems low. It doesn't seem low to me because I'll tell you, I, I think it's higher than that. Um, you know, you have to take a look back at the higher education space and the 403 B space in general. It was very paternalistic, right? And for many years, even though now in the recent years with legislative changes, it's becoming more similar to the 401k market, it was very unique. So I think if you go back to the early 2000s, it was almost there was no consultant penetration in the space. So I think over the last since the financial crisis, we have seen that market evolve in terms of consultants finding their way to that space. 
and I think um, I think what you've seen in the last couple of years, maybe that's slowed down a little bit because of COVID and some of the challenges in the higher education space. You know, there are some areas in that market where there are budgetary challenges given the changes in enrollment rates and what happened with COVID. So I think I think the trend is there. Matter of fact, if you looked at if you look at RFPs in that space today, they're almost entirely coming in 100% with uh, with a consultant on it or an RFP for a consultant by by those institutions. The other thing is when you look at that rate, 67%, you really have to look within that number. You know, how many of those people are, how many of those institutions are the very large higher education institutions, mid-range size that are following those higher education institutions or the large billion dollar plus ones that have, that are almost 100%, you know, working with consultants. So it's the smaller end of that market that probably has less consultants are starting to bring them on, but are also struggling coming out of COVID and some of the budgetary uh, challenges they face with enrollment. It's a complicated space. There's a lot going on there. Um, it is, but it's becoming more like 401k space. And um, by the way, a lot of the things that made it different are also starting to show up in 401k, like the access to guaranteed income is the big trend, right? Given mm-hmm. given the trends around Secure Act and all of that. So the same survey I'm showing here that it showed 77% of higher educational institutions currently offer a financial wellness program. That seems like a good amount. I mean, are you seeing more and more firms moving into financial wellness for their participants? Yeah, I think financial wellness, you know, is certainly a hot topic these days. And I think more and more plans are adding that certainly in the, in the higher education space as well. Um, it's it's really at the heart of what we're trying to do in terms of our services as an RIA, right? We're focused on providing general education, communication and advice services two plans. And certainly we feel like that there's an opportunity there to help those plans that have not gone there yet and maybe help those that have done it and haven't seen the penetration or the results that they would like. Let's talk fintech, Rob. Um, on your platform and the, the straight line platform and in your career, you've worked with a lot of different applications and, and, and providers. And you mentioned earlier, uh, talking about the the retirement space. It's a lot of data aggregation. Uh, that's something we deal with a lot in our research on uh, on tech is data aggregation providers and, and the data around that. Can you talk a yeah. little bit about some of the work you've done with data aggregation, some of the challenges you've seen that um, you've run into with them? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, so I've seen it from both sides. You know, when I was at TIA, I actually built TIA's data aggregation or their data feeds to be sent down to independent advisors who had clients on the platform. Because the reality is you can't serve those clients or those advisors if they can't get the data. So data is critical, um, whether it's your custodian or a record keeper, you have to have that data. So now on the other side, Certainly, we are dealing with data aggregation. At at Straightline, we have multiple vendors, right? So a lot of advisors just have one custodian. And that may make it simpler. But for us, it's complicated because not only do we have our standard traditional retail custodial relationship, we also work with multiple record keepers. And we have to get data from those record keepers. So working with a data aggregation system that can can consume that data from multiple multiple uh, platforms and actually bring that in and do the appropriate mapping so that you can do the appropriate reporting for your clients, right? For us, 
we use that data from multiple platforms to obviously, you know, um, give our clients access to those accounts to view them, to do performance reporting and to do billing critically, right? So it's really important that that data is accurate. And that has been one of my big learnings is when you are working with any data aggregation system, you really have to take the trust but validate methodology, meaning, you know, a lot of fintech talks about what their capabilities are. And until you start working with them, you really don't truly know what their capabilities are. And you have to really put the effort in to test the data as you're getting the data and work with those uh, those fintech platforms to help them improve it over time because it is not going to be perfect. Far from it, actually. So you mentioned you're using uh, data aggregation, data provided from the data aggregation vendors for performance. I found in the past that the data from many of the vendors really isn't clean enough for performance. Did you see that? And if you did, what what did you do to resolve that? And yeah, I think I, I I have seen that, and I think the most important thing that you can do as an RIA is you have to have somebody who understands the data, because what what's happening there is whoever the vendor is that's providing the data to your aggregator on behalf of you, right? They're, they're sending down transactions on a daily basis. And the critical thing is how does that data aggregator map those transactions in terms of their impact on performance? And the reality is, you know, there's a lot of transaction codes and those transaction codes have to be properly, properly mapped. So if you don't understand how your transaction codes are being mapped, and you're not regularly looking at that stuff and talking to your data aggregator about enhancements and fixing that mapping because they even change over time, right? You have record keepers. I know even from my experience at TIA as a record keeper providing that data, sometimes our transaction codes changed. And if you're not actually going back in as the data provider and making sure it's mapping correctly as a buy, sell, or deposit, whatever it might be, it can have a negative impact on the advisor's data. So it's an ongoing battle to get your performance as close to perfect as possible, but it requires that type of work and dedication, looking at the transactions and working with your partner. Indeed it does. And you we... certainly can't just assume that they're going to have it right, which I think unfortunately a lot of advisors do. Yeah. That's why Ezra group gets hired a lot is because we, um, sit side by side with our RIA clients to help them uh, know where the bodies are buried, so to speak, because we've worked with a lot of these vendors. So uh, they, a lot of firms, instead of going through some of these issues, we can kind of guide them around it. But your your point is valid. Yeah. you got to look at the mapping and you got to stay on top of the vendors. You can't trust them. You, because they're all, you know, I've seen that I've been in, in the industry long enough to know everyone's trying to do the right thing, but yeah. a lot of times it just, it's not being done. The things fall through the cracks. As a vendor, they have a lot of other clients that they're working with, and they may lose track of what you're doing or not. Or not, not. So you need to be the ultimate uh, verifier and validator of your own business, your own data. I think the other thing that's really important, I totally agree with that. And I think the other thing that's really important about that is you have to understand these fintech firms, you know, they have great technology, but a lot of times they don't necessarily have the direct experience in our business, right? Like they're techn a lot of them are technology people, right? <laughs> And, and they're learning our business while they built a platform to support our business. So I think that that's one of the big challenges I have seen across the industry on any technology or fintech platform that I engage with and try to educate myself on to make a, um, 
an educated decision on on choosing a technology platform. That is one of the biggest challenges I find. You could spend an entire year reviewing technology offers in a certain area of your business, make that decision, and suddenly you're three months into working with them and you're questioning your decision because um, they're not perfect. None of them are perfect. They all have they all have challenges. As someone who spends a lot of time talking to vendors, Rob, I can tell you they all have challenges. There's a lot of things going on behind the scenes we see under the hood. All the demos you see are all pretty. All the websites are beautiful. Yeah. Under the hood, it's a mess. And a lot of these vendors got these issues. So keeps us in business. If the, if the vendors didn't have these problems, they wouldn't need uh, consultants like Ezra Group. So, By the way, the other challenge though now, right? Look at, I mean, there's hundreds of them. Right. And and so I think the biggest challenge for an RIA is how much energy do you put into the due diligence process? Right. Because to, to the conversation we just had, I could spend three months, six months or 12 months reviewing data aggregating platforms and quite honestly, be in the same situation once I choose one of them. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, I think sometimes you may be better off just making a decision and going in and understanding that you're going to have to work with that vendor to evolve their service, right? And their platform. Yeah. One thing we tell our clients is when you're choosing a new vendor, it's like getting married, right? You're, you're going to be with them a long time, right? A minimum of seven to 10 years uh, is most applications, especially the core, uh, all the ones we're talking about with this data ag portfolio management or financial planning as an example. And that's what I wanted to shift over to. You are uh, you have just recently done uh, a shift in your financial planning software. Can you talk a bit about that? Why you did it? What was the impetus behind it? Where you're going from? Yeah, I, I think um, we you know our intention in shifting to a new financial planning software was to really start to get to our strategy of more of a digital experience and an interactive experience with clients around providing a collaborative uh, financial planning process that was ongoing. Right, I think. Many of us grew up in the days of, hey, here's your financial plan. And it was like a binder. It was a beautiful package, you know, piece with a lot of color mm -hmm. graphs and all of that stuff. You know, 20 years later, like that's not what financial planning is. It, mm -hmm. It's really a living plan, collaborative, ongoing. And there are really very good tools now to um, to take that to clients and, and to work with them. And in our environment, working, trying to work with participants in plans we're trying to balance between uh, providing financial wellness as well as holistic advice because there are different participants in different points of their financial journey that need different forms of advice. And I think for us, it's a financial planning software that's collaborative and even potentially a technology around financial wellness that will ultimately help us bring our strategy together. So what application, if you don't mind me asking, did you move to and which one did you move from? Yeah, we we went from Navaplan to Money Guide Pro. Mm -hmm. Got it. And mainly because of the, as you mentioned, the digital experience. Which which part of the Money Guide Pro did you like the best? So there's a couple aspects of it for me personally that I like. I I love the goals based approach that that Money Guide Pro brings. Um, I also love their blocks components in terms of the interactive piece that you can put in front of clients. Uh, the different ways that you can actually, depending on the client, how you can get them engaged in the financial planning uh, process. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, you, you, you know, you can go old fashioned with, you know, with them filling out forms. 
You can give them access to the financial planning software to actually enter the data themselves. You can use the blocks and what's called the My Plan functionality to actually kind of let them play with it in a simple way and then actually take that data and bring it into the into the financial plan to begin that process on the advisor side. So you can differentiate between someone just having access to the tool, using it themselves, and then taking them into a financial planning engagement with you as the advisor in a collaborative relationship. With your financial planning software, can you talk about uh, or provide some uh, you know, best practices or lessons learned when you were looking at your financial planning software and deciding whether you should shift or not? What was it that pushed you over the edge? Like, how did you get that? How did you make that decision? How did you get there? Um, and, yeah. And well, it's funny. It's ironic because we just talked about data integration, but in particular, Money Guide Pro, you know, um, did have a data integration module with our data aggregator that we're uh, that we're working with. So that played an important point because you know it goes back to my early point. We were looking at all of the popular softwares, right? And had had it really down to probably the three most popular today and they're all great i mean right like i mean they all have a tremendous amount of capability mm. so like that's where it gets into really challenging to make a final decision and i think you know you got to just kind of go with your gut sometimes and i think the other thing is you're going to find challenges in that integration and by the way you know perfect example of what we were talking about craig so one of our big decisions was, wow, we could take our clients from a data aggregation system and bring their accounts directly into Money Guide Pro. Mm -hmm. Well, that was great. And and once we started trying to use that, it didn't quite work like mm -hmm. we expected it to work. Now, uh, I engaged Money Guide Pro. I engaged a data aggregator provider and we worked together and they fixed that. So, I mean, that's a perfect example of, you know, we did all this. We, we took three months to look at these different softwares you start scratching your head. It's like, you know, they all have great technology. You make a decision and then you start utilizing it and you find that certain things don't work the way you expected. And you got to really kind of, you know, work with both with your providers to kind of make that stuff get better. Yeah. One thing I always emphasize is you want, uh, you, you don't want an adversarial relationship with your vendors. You want to think of them as a partner. We've we brought some people together, very large firms, you know, very, very big, broker dealers and their vendors and basically put them in a room and say, you guys got to work this out, right? We all work together on this. It, it's uh, rather than the constant finger pointing, that's not going to help the business grow. The business grows. Everyone's happy, right? It, it benefits it's everyone if the business is growing. And that's where we really need to be. It's a great, it's a great point. And I will tell you that when I go into my relationships and my conversations with my data aggregator and money guide pro, um, my position is if I can help you fix something, I'm not only making it better for us, but I'm helping you be better to the market, to the rest of the advisor community. And that's a strength of a good partnership. And and I think that's that's the approach I take when I'm working with them. Hmm. And it requires you to be willing to put a little extra time and effort in, honestly. Hmm. But it's valuable because one, they respond nicely to that and they tend to, you know, maybe put you in a better position as you need things fixed as well. Hmm. Absolutely. Uh, what uh, client portal are you guys using? Um, our data aggregation platform is uh, uh, Bridge FT, mm -hmm. and we're using their um, Atlas platform to uh, to share accounts with our clients. Got it. so that are you bringing in data from Money Guide into the portal? 
Um, we are not yet. We are so so. A lot of this is is new, and and we are so. The portal is really specifically to view accounts, and we use Money Guide Pro separately for clients to view their financial plan as they come in, and we start to get, integrate them into the financial planning process. So they have access to both mm -hmm. uh, to view their accounts that we manage, and then the financial planning. Uh, software to actually see their plan and use the blocks functionality. Got it. Yeah, it's, that's something we're seeing as well. That everyone's they, we're looking for the the super portal, right? The uh, that everyone can have one portal for everything. Yeah, look, I mean, there's a lot of platforms out there that are going to build that are looking at the end to end capability, right? To to, to provide that. So. As a firm, you know, we're not there yet today. I, I think, you know, providing our clients with access to their accounts, providing them with access to, you know, to their financial planning uh, tools, I think is working for us right now. And that might evolve over time, right? We may look to integrate those things into a single stack, uh, tech stack over time, but right now it's it's working for us. Excellent. And with your shift to Money Guide Pro, that left a lot of your clients with the old planning software, plans created in the old planning software. Did you do one large shift or did you shift clients over to Money Guide slowly as they hit their anniversary? How, how did that process work? Yeah, that process is just starting, to be honest with you, Craig. But we, we have um, we've maintained the relationship with both softwares in, in an overlap to be able to address that and to work with clients um, as we transition with them and we meet with them. Yeah, that's one thing that, that you you can't convert. You can't convert old financial plans to the new vendor. Right. Correct. One one of the things that our industry never has gotten a hold of. No, it's a it's a great point, and that's why we just made the decision to keep keep the access to NavaPlan. And by the way, listen, like uh, you know, like I said earlier, NavaPlan is a great platform, and, and there are other great platforms as well on the planning side. I, I just, um, but to to your point that. It's a great point that when you make a change like this, you have to think about at least keeping the old financial planning software for six months to a year to um, to be able to deal with those transitions and really use that as a reason to get in front of those clients that you had plans in the old system. Yeah, and that is something we uh, also recommend and, and you, you're doing the right thing. With any, any product, uh, any application you're converting, it always takes longer than you think. And the and oft, oftentimes the plans we see don't include parallel operations of whatever the other platform is, especially with your, your financial planning, CRM, portfolio management. There's going to be some there's going to be some overlap time where you want both systems running just in case this is a backup, uh, and just also for verification, especially portfolio management, validating that your billing is is working properly, all your numbers are right uh, before you shut it off. So that's no, exactly. Those are all things to your or other point. As we think about our growth strategy, those are all the things we were working on today to put ourselves in a position to grow. Right. So everything you just said, like we're, we're, we actually, I literally got off a call yesterday, looking at our first, you know, test billing run through our bridge system. Right. And you know, it was good. I mean, there were things that we picked up on, but that's the process. You have to do that. And the other thing I would say is, you, you said it, like it's progress. sometimes it's slow. Progress should be slow, right? Sometimes with this stuff, because, you know, you really do need to make sure things are right. And I do think the biggest thing I could tell any advisor is 
don't take for granted that your vendor tells you that they do something and that they you know, then that they do it well. You really have to you have to verify it, and that takes that takes work. Indeed, it does. Um, is there any technology you're looking at, you're evaluating now down the road for to help your business grow, to help to improve? That's your you haven't made a decision on yet, but you're thinking about it. Yeah, we are. We're in the process. So part of the whole strategy for us is to really go back to our niche and our roots around providing, you know, uh, services within uh, to participants within retirement plans. So we mentioned we talked about utilizing that financial planning software that would really be more for clients who need the holistic financial planning. We are looking at how to marry our services with a financial wellness platform. So we're looking at those technologies as we speak. What would that entail, bringing a financial wellness platform? Yeah, for me, you know, what I'm looking for in a financial wellness platform is obviously the technology that could be, you know, that give give the broad, scalable access to all the employees in a plan to do the basic financial wellness stuff, right? That really tends to gear itself towards, you know, creating better behavioral um habits for our individual, right? Dealing with debt, dealing with budgeting, right? Saving, all of those things. Um, but marrying that with coaching as well, right? That's to me, it's not just like you can have a technology platform and it can even leverage, you know, um, artificial intelligence. But I, I think what we're finding is those systems don't get the penetration, right? The education, the participants don't get the level of education that we all think they should, and I think that's because you still need the human human side of that. And when you get down to the human side of it, there's two aspects to that. There's the clients that need coaching, which may be the younger employees. And then there's those individuals that are kind of more advanced that really maybe are 10 years from retirement, have accumulated assets and really need more holistic advice. So for us, our model is bringing that financial wellness to get scaled to, to address everybody's need, getting them coaching, as well as then getting them access to our um, holistic planning and investment management services if they need it. So it's marrying all that together in a package solution to bring to a plan sponsor. That sounds excellent. I think if I was a plan sponsor, that's exactly what I'd be looking for. Yeah, well, what, what I would tell you is I think I like to term it like the full spectrum of advice. And I think what happens is you know, because people are at different stages of their financial journey and they consume education and financial advice differently, you really need to have the full spectrum of advice that goes from everything from simple to target date funds, to financial wellness, to maybe uh, custom portfolios, managed account solutions baked into the plan, to even holistic advice from independent advisors, right? All of that stuff, you know, if you offer all of that in a plan, you have a better chance of getting more participants the education and advice they need. Instead of looking them at silos, look at them as complementary advice offerings to reach a broader population within the plan. Rob, I have a whole bunch more questions I wanted to ask you, but we are out of time. Uh, where can people find more information about Straight Line Group? Um, you can go to our website at www.straightline.com. Fantastic. Rob, thanks so much for being the program. Really appreciate it, man. Great talking oh, to you. Thank you very much, Craig. It's been a pleasure. Hey, it's Craig again. Here are my top three takeaways from this episode. 
Number one, there's a growing trend of financial wellness program being offered to retirement plan participants. Uh, Straight Line is building their own financial wellness platform, which with the goal of providing scalable, broad access to employees for basic financial education and habits, combined with human coaching for a more personalized approach. Number two, data aggregation. Love talking about data aggregation. I know you've heard me talk about it a number of times with different people from different companies. It's such an issue. It's complicated. It's something we deal with a lot at Ezra Group, helping our broker dealer and RIA and other wealth management clients sort of navigate through the maze and, and opaqueness of the data aggregation world. Now, Straight Line's data ag is more complex because they're also in the retirement business besides the wealth business, which means they have to interface with multiple record keepers. They have different data export processes that they have to support. So as Rob mentioned, there's not a lot of information on how to obtain that data from the record keeper. So they pretty much had to learn as they went along. That included issues such as mapping transaction codes, which can become a major headache if not managed properly. Okay, three, financial planning. Straight Line recently transitioned over to Money Guide Pro from InvestNet, and that was driven by their desire for a more interactive and collaborative planning experience with their clients. This switch, the goal of this switch was to create a living financial plan that's continuously updated and engages clients more deeply in the process. Of course, they're trying to balance between providing financial wellness as well as holistic advice on the wealth side because there's different participants that are at different points in the financial journeys and they need different forms of advice. And there you have it, sports fans. You've reached the end of another episode of the Wealth Tech Today podcast. Please go to our website, ezragroup.com, scroll to the bottom of the homepage, and sign up for our newsletter. Once a month, you receive an email chock full of wealth management goodness, news, information, updates. You will not be disappointed. Thanks again for listening, and talk to you all again next time.